Joshua chapter 6, verse 2. I'm going to read through verse 5. Then the Lord said to Joshua, now, now notice right off the bat, the Lord said, see. Notice this. The Lord said, see. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, then the walls of the city will collapse. Notice that they will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. And I want to talk today from this subject, walls still fall. Walls still fall. Everybody say walls still fall. Still fall. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the moments we share. And I pray Holy Spirit, have your way in this moment. Speak to us clearly and undeniably, I pray. Whether this is our first time to ever be in a church or we've been born and raised in this, I pray that people would receive right now a word from you. In Jesus' name, the whole church said aloud, amen. 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 And so uh, 40 years before Joshua chapter 6, 40 years before this, uh, you will find a story in Numbers chapter 13. And in Numbers chapter 13, Moses is preparing the Israelites to enter into their promised land. Everyone say, I have a promised land. I have a land. That was great. 60% of you. Wonderful. <laughs> Let's try it one more time. I have a promised land. And so, so God has a promised land for you. He had a promised land for Moses. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you into this land flowing with milk and honey. Yes, there will be giants. Yes, there will be enemies. Yes, you will have to fight. But it is a good land, and it is a land that is yours. And I, I just want you to know that, that, that the promised land that God has for you, it is yours. And it's, it's on this side of heaven. The promised land is not heaven. The promised land is, is the place that a believer can walk in if they will obey God's word over their life. If, if the promised land was a picture of heaven, then there would be no giants. There would be no enemies. And so, yes, there's enemies in your promise. Yes, there's giants. Yes, there's issues. But there is victory, and there is the promise of God on it. And so Moses sends the spies into the land. They go spy out the land. And the Bible said that the spies come back, with an evil report. Now, two come back with a good report. Joshua and Caleb come back and they go, we're well able to take the land. Let's go. We're ready. Let's go at once. Literally at once. Let's not overthink it. Let's not go tomorrow. At once, let's go inherit the promises of God. The other spies, the Bible calls them, uh, says that they have an evil report. Now, now watch this. They're looking at their promise, calling it evil. Good morning. Because if you're not careful, you'll, this is what God actually warns of his people. He says, don't call evil good and good evil. And if you're not careful, you will curse your promise. The Bible calls your wife, husbands, a good thing. And many of you are cursing her. 
Wives, God says that your husband is your covering, and many of you are cursing him. The Bible says that our children, all the women got quiet, didn't they? The, the Bible says that children are the heritage of the Lord, a blessing from the Lord, arrows in the hands of a warrior. But many times we end up cursing our children. We end up cursing the very thing that God promised us. We end up cursing the thing we prayed for. We end up cursing the thing that we were supposed to inherit. We end up, we end up cursing the thing that we should be thanking God for because it was more challenging than we expected. We end up cursing a job that God gave us. We end up cursing a city that God led us to. Because it's windy. Because it's cold two weekends out of the year. Because it's brown. You knew it was brown when you moved here. And if you're not careful, people of God, you'll stare at your promise and you'll call it bad. You'll stare at your promise and you'll call it evil. You'll, you'll give an evil report of the good thing God is doing in your life. And the moment you do that, God says you can't inherit the promises. Now, here's why they called it evil. Here was their evil report. They, they said three things. There's giants. There's walls. This is all in Numbers 13. We don't have time today. There's walls around the cities, and the land devours its people. So they, they say, we cannot inherit God's promise because there's walls, because there's giants, and because of the land. And over the next three weeks, I'm going to talk about these three issues that all of us will have to face because every one of us will have to face a wall, every one of us will have to face a giant, and every one of us will have to face land. But, but here's what God says. God did not say this is why they didn't inherit the promise. Hebrews chapter 3 now says this. So we see that they were not able to enter into his rest, the promised land, because, because, because of the giants, no. Because of the walls, no. Because of the land, no. Because they were outnumbered, no. Because they weren't skilled enough, no. God says they did not enter their promise because of their gender, no. Because of who their parents were, no. Because of their lack of education, no. Because of the color of their skin, no. Because of who their dad was or was not, no. Because of who their mama was or was not, no. Because of their family life, no. Because they were born on the wrong side of the tracks, no. God says none of those things can limit you except your unbelief and your unwillingness to trust God. Now, I just went absolutely countercultural, and you think I'm being political, and I'm not. I'm being biblical. Because your culture is telling you that you are automatically limited by all those things that I just said, and you're a victim. But God says that you are more than a conqueror, that you're a victor. And things that we were able to preach even just three or four years ago, we're not even allowed to preach anymore because our culture is so lied to the body of Christ. So now we come to church as victims and we want God to pacify our victim mentality. But here's what God said. Put it back up, please, because I'm preaching the Bible and y'all don't like it and I'm going to preach it anyway. God says it, it will not be determined by your gender. It will not be determined by the color of your skin. It will not be determined by your upbringing. It will not be determined by who is in the White House or who is not in the White House or who's in the governor's mansion or who's, who's the mayor. None of that matters. God said you can inherit it, but you cannot inherit it with unbelief and an unwillingness to trust God. So I'm not limited by any of this. I'm only limited by my faith in God. And I know, we, I know we don't like to hear that. That's why there's like a, there's four amens in the room and everyone else is like, I don't know. 
it's freezing outside and I came to church and I just can't believe, I understand that. I understand this is confrontational. But you gotta, you gotta hear this because if, if, you, if you don't hear, not, not even me, but if you don't hear the word, you will live your whole life defeated by an enemy that you've believed you have to put up with. When in reality, there is, there, it's, it's not the enemy, it's the inner me. It's not the devil, it's my unbelief. It's not demons, it's my unwillingness to trust God. It's not principalities and powers in this city. It's my ability to trust God and enter into what he has for me. They said there's walls, and I want to talk about walls today. What is, what is a wall? A wall represents long-standing issues that you believe can no longer be removed. They look and feel permanent. And they try to convince us that they will be a part of our lives forever. That's what a wall is. See, you got to know this about Jericho. They say Jericho may be the oldest city in the world. This means that Jericho was there before Egypt. Jericho was there before Israel. Jericho was there before Abraham. Those walls were there before them, but they weren't there before God. And some of you were born into walls. Everyone is like this in my family. Everyone acts like this where I come from. Every, all the men in my family do. All the women in my family think. Well, all of our marriages deal with everyone with my last name, and, and you were born into walls. Things that feel so permanent, things that, that were there before you got here, and you're convinced you're going to have to live with it forever. I got good news. <laughs> I got good news. Walls still fall. <laughs> I got good news. Those walls are bigger than you, but they're not bigger than God. I got good news. Those walls are stronger than you. They're not stronger than God. I got good news. Those walls were here before you, but they weren't here before God. I got good news. Well, you know, in Vegas, I, Vegas was around before me, but Vegas wasn't around before God. Vegas was around before we all got here and were born, but Vegas, but God was here before Vegas. I'm not limited by this city. Well, you know, there's strongholds in this city. Well, you know, there's cool bet. <laughs> but but my God is greater. See the the disciples are walking with Jesus in Jerusalem. This is Mark 13. They're walking through the streets of Jerusalem and they look up at the temple. And they, the Bible says they begin to marvel at the temple. They begin to marvel at the vastness of the temple, the grandness of the temple, the, the amazingness of Herod's temple. And Jesus says, hey guys, th- this temple is, is going to fall. Like the, the thing that you believe is so permanent, it, it's going to fall. I was actually, and then Jesus actually says this, I was here before the temple. I'll be here after the temple. You're, you're, so, you're so intimidated by this and so impressed by this, but this whole thing is going to fall. You're so amazed at the vastness of your issue. 30 feet high Jericho was, 15 feet wide Jericho was. The, the, the top of Jericho were, was, a, was a massive street that they could ride on. But God is not moved by it. And there, there are so many people. Think about this. Two million Hebrew people. Only two families crossed over. Of that generation, that whole generation died. And only Joshua, Caleb, and their families crossed over. So many believers, they're saved. 
loved by God and going to heaven, and they never enter their promise. Like a hundred and a million, nine hundred thousand, ninety-eight, ninety-nine thousand, ninety-eight, point nine, 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 don't inherit. And they'll go to heaven one day and go, there was so much for me that I never experienced. But I believe, I'm, I, I believe we're a Joshua church. I'm just going to be honest with you. I believe we're a Caleb church. I believe this is a promised land church. I believe, I believe we're going to inherit the promises of God in our life. I believe every promise from God is yes and amen. And you're going to see it with your life in Jesus' name. And I believe people will come from all over this city to this church to receive the promises of God. It might be an addiction. It might be an internal battle. It might be a secret sin. It might be a stronghold. It might be a, a pattern that you've lived with and your family has lived with. I'm just telling you, walls still fall. And, and here's the first thing that you have to understand about walls falling in your life. Obedience brings freedom. Now, we, we just don't preach like this anymore. We just don't. Churches just don't preach like this anymore. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not even being critical. I even hate to say that because I, I want to be a champion for, for the church. But, but I also... I need, you to, I need you to also hear me. Um, just this morning, I, I turn on my iPhone. I'm watching a guy on YouTube, big church. And, and he looks at his church and, and like what he said was true-ish. <laughs> but he looks at his church and he just goes, no matter what you do, no matter what you've done, no matter what you ever do, God loves you and everyone cheers. And I'm like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> but we don't inherit the promises of God because of his love for us. Walls don't fall because God loves us. God didn't tell Joshua the walls are going to fall because I'm just crazy about you. I'm not mad at you. I'm madly in love with you. No. God said. Now, now, have you ever been more loved than you are right now? No. I believe that song that I just sang. But I don't walk in what God has for me because he loves me. I walk in what God has for me because I obey. Now, no, and I know y'all don't believe it. That's Okay. But you're wondering, why, why, do I, why is my rear end getting kicked by the devil when God loves me so much? Romans 8 says, nothing's going to separate you from the love of God. That's settled. But, his, but when God talks about inheriting promises, love never comes up. Faith comes up. And it's obedience that brings freedom, not love. And, it's, and it's the, this is the exact opposite of everything you've heard. I know that. But, but we have to hear this if we actually want to see freedom in our lives, if we actually want to see walls fall. And I don't like being the messenger, by the way. I just love you too much, and I see you all the time, so I want you to win. You know what I mean? Like, I could move and just fly in on Sundays and preach and leave and not ever have to help you and never have to hear what you're going through, but I, I love you too much. And I see you and I want you to win in life, but, but that's not going to happen just because God loves you, though that's amazing. I'm so grateful for it. But, but obedience brings freedom. Look what, look what God said in verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, see, the Lord said. God never suggests. I'm going to say it again. I don't need an amen. I need you to get it. God never makes suggestions. When God speaks, he commands. When God speaks, he is telling us what to do. 
and you're just going to have to embrace that. <laughs> but listen, he never commands just to command. There's always an outcome on the other side of his command. Blessing, breakthrough, freedom, prosperity. It's, it's, never, just, it's never just that, he, that he's a control freak. It's that he has something good for us on the other side of the command. So, so when God speaks, he's instructing. When God speaks, he's teaching. When God speaks, he's commanding with a specific outcome in mind. Like we're not fasting for 10 days just because. We need breakthroughs. And fasting in the Bible is never just what God loves you and you love God and you should fast. That's never why you fast. You fast for miracles. You fast for breakthrough. Does this, does this make sense? That, you you got to get this in your spirit now. Matthew 4.4. 4. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Proceeds. You've got to find a proceeding word to obey. In other words, this, this whole thing is awesome, and this whole thing is for you, and all of the promises of God are yes and amen. But as you enter the year, see, the, the shouting did not drop the walls. Obedience dropped the walls. But we're so religious that we'll make a religion, we will make a tradition out of shouting. The Bible said they shouted and the walls fell down and you're going to shout and your walls are going to fall. If God told you to shout. We are just as religious as Catholics. You all know that, right? No, we are. Christians, I guess we, we tease them while they kneel and they get up and they kneel and they get up and they do this and they do that and they say this and they say, we do the same thing. They pray the rosary, we shout. They kneel, we dance. They confess to their priest and we claim Romans 8.1. We're just as religious. It is obedience that brings breakthrough. Not religious rituals. Not traditions of men. The, the shouting did not drop the wall. It was the obedience to the voice of God. You got to understand God is still speaking. And if I'm living off bread alone, what, what is that? What is that bread? It's the natural. It's my five senses. If I'm living off bread alone, then I'm always going to be at the mercy of what I see, what I feel. I'm going to be at the mercy of what my carnal appetites want. I'm going to be at the mercy of what I'm going through. I'm going to be at the mercy of, of my season or the, 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 at the mercy of my circumstance. I'm going to be at the mercy of what the news is telling me. I'm going to be at the, the, the mercy of whatever's going on in our world. Honestly, from the way this week sounded, I would have thought it was going to be me and Omar at church today and nobody else. The way it sounded on social media this week. Church is going online. Church is closing down. All you hear is that word over and over and over and over and over and over again. I won't say because I don't want to get taken down right now. I would, I, honestly, I went into this Sunday going, man, I guess no one's going to come. I guess we're going to preach for Jesus. Praise the Lord. But, I, but we don't live by bread alone. We're not in denial. We're smart. But, we, but, we're, not, but we're not living by bread alone. But if I live by the word of God, the word of God is eternal. The word of God is incorruptible. The, the word of God is my weapon against the enemy. The word of God is bread to my soul. The word of God is water to my spirit. I don't live by bread alone. I don't live by the natural alone. I live by the word of God. And God said, watch this, he said, see. Yeah. 
Please, please see this. He did not say, see the walls. He said, see, I've given you Jericho. Mm. You know, sometimes you feel it before y'all feel it. Like, cause I, cause I already got it. God preached it to me and now I'm preaching it to you, but I'm like, ah, I'm already excited. I'm like, you got to order this. I feel like we're at a restaurant right now. I'm like, you got to get this. It's going to be so good. Um, <laughs> see, I've given you Jericho. You got to see past the wall. What does life look like without that wall? <laughs> what does life look like without the addiction? What do your finances look like if you'll stop gambling? What, what, what would your spirit look like if you got rid of that secret? What would your life look like if you really put God first and begin to pray and read the word and, and joined us in the month of January? What, what would life look like if you forgave that person? What would life look like if you would give up and just quit on that thing and just and stop trying to fight for something that God is telling you to give up on? What, what would life look like without walls? What would life look like without the addiction? What would life look like without that hatred? What would life look like without that resentment? What would life look like without that sin? See, I've given you something. It's on the other side of the wall, but you have to get a sanctified imagination to see what life could look like without this thing in front of me. This is why fasting is important. We're not dieting, we're fasting. So, so what I do is I get off TV and I get off social media, I get off all that junk too so I can, so I can, I can clean up my mind. So I can start dreaming again. So I can start having an imagination again. So I can see my life, not through what Instagram is telling me or Facebook is telling me or Twitter is telling me or TikTok is telling me or Fox News is telling me or CNN is telling me or whoever is telling me. I'm, I'm, I'm back in the word and I'm able to see beyond the wall. What would your marriage look like if you really fought for it? What would your marriage look like if you did go to counseling? What would your marriage look like if you did forgive? What would marriage look like if you would confess and just talk to them and just get honest and get open? What would, what would marriage look like? What would your family look like if you really put your family first and, and got home right after work and really made the investment, and really put in the time into your children? What would, what would your life look? You have to see. You got to see beyond the wall and you got to see Jericho. Come on, somebody, say amen. You got to see beyond the issue and you got to see what life will look like on the other side of the issue. This, this is why over and over and over again, when, when God would begin to deal with prophets, the first thing he would ask a prophet, he would ask this to Ezekiel, Micah, Isaiah, on and on. He would go, hey, what do you see? They would tell God what they saw and then he would say, now prophesy. Because in the kingdom of God, what you see and what you say are so connected. But you have to see it like God sees it. Obedience brings freedom. What is God asking you to do this year? You know, financially, the Lord gave me a number this year, and he said, I want you to give this above your tithe this year. I'm not going to tell you what it is right now. Maybe by the, by the 11.45, I'm so tired, I start talking, I start giving all my business away, but I'm still controlled right now. <laughs> by the 6, I'm giving you my social security number. I'm like, but the Lord gave me a number. And so I'm going to give that as an offering this year to the Lord every month. He didn't ask me, he told me. <laughs> and number two, because I know God, I know there's something on the other side of it. So I'm not scared. 
I had to take a deep breath. I had to move some money from my checkings to my savings to my... Nobody watches Kevin Hart, but I, but I had to, Some of y'all were like, was that... Did you just... But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to make some decisions around it. But, I, but, I, but because I know God, I know that there's something on the other side of it. So obedience brings freedom. Number two, you got to know this. You got to wait willingly. We don't wait well. <sighs> we just don't, huh? Pull up to a restaurant. Wait's going to be 45 minutes. We out. And if you would just wait, you would eat. Way before you go drive all over town for somewhere else. So we go to Juan's, right? Flaming fajitas. It's always a long wait. We get frustrated. We leave. Juan's is awesome, by the way. And we leave. And then we go drive around town for 45 minutes. We don't wait well. I was at Starbucks for 10 minutes. I can't wait 10 minutes. We don't wait well. You, you got to learn how to wait willingly. Hey, Joshua, um, obey this word for six days. How do I wait willingly? I wait with a good attitude. And then God gives them all these instructions. Get in order. Do not speak. Walk around the city once a day. Walk and do not talk. Do this for six days. God is, God is so specific. And he expects obedience with the right attitude. You've got to learn how to wait willingly. Some of you, you're waiting with a bad attitude. And, and here's what God's saying. The same way you look at your kids, he goes, I got all day. Can I get a witness? I got all day. Like, Goldie, we're not leaving till you eat. I got all day. Until you eat that chicken, we are not leaving this table. I got all day. And for some of you guys, you I got all day. Like, until you adjust your attitude. Let me tell you what spiritual success is. It is long-term obedience in the same direction. It's, it's learning to obey without boredom. It's learning to love your spouse without boredom. It's, it's learning to love the routine without boredom. It's learning how to enjoy silence without boredom. I like my uneventful life. I do. Y'all would be so bored with me. Some of you are bored with me. We need more stuff. We need more things. We need more this. We need more that. We need to do this. We need to do We're so boring around here. We do church on Sundays. We do small groups three times a year. People leave our church. We don't do enough. We're really changing it up. 2022, we're going to do Tuesday night prayer. Amen. <laughs> Getting wild. We're just... Because I... I knew that we had to design a church that Shannon and I could lead for the next 40 years. And I, and I couldn't let you guys uh, set the speed. I couldn't let you set the speed because you'll get us to do things and then three months you'll be like, I'm a little burnt out, I need a break. Well, I can't take a break. So you took your break and started going to the crossing and I'm still here and I still got to do my thing. And some of y'all are on a break from the crossing and you know it. You're like, oh. 
and I got to still show up. <laughs> and I'm okay being your side chick right now. I get it. I'm your, I'm your side piece right now. So I got to have long-term obedience in the same direction. I got to walk. Lord Jesus, this fast started too early. I got to walk. Why are you walking? God told me to. Why aren't you talking? God told me not to talk. Why aren't you shouting? God told me it ain't time to shout yet. I got to just obey God. I just long-term obedience in the right direction. You got to learn how to wait willingly. God's timing is not our timing. God's ways are not our ways. God's plan is not our plan. And I have to receive the reality that waiting time is not wasted time. Hebrews 6.12 That you do not become sluggish, watch this, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Faith and patience. Your life will require two things, faith and patience. The life God has for you will require faith and patience. The marriage God has for you will require faith and patience. The business God has for you, the money God, whatever it might be, the spiritual level that you want to go to, it will require two things, faith and patience. I only inherit promises through faith and patience. So, so understand this. Faith and patience is not giving up and calling it trusting God's timing. I know a lot of people, they've just given up. Well, you know, when the Lord wants to, no. It's also not forcing a desired outcome. That, a lot of people... They're trying to control their life and they call it faith. And that, that's not faith. Faith and patience is waiting on God with a good attitude. Obeying the last thing he told you to do. That's faith and patience. It's walking around Jericho in obedience because God said it. And it's having a good attitude because I know God is good and that means that God has a good outcome on the other side of it. Number three, you gotta use your wall. Let me have the keys come. I gotta wrap this up. You gotta use your wall. Use your wall. So on the seventh day, they walk around. The trumpets blast. They begin to shout unto the Lord. And this happens in verse 20. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. Now, notice this. They didn't climb in. They went straight in. Notice this. I think when we think of the walls of Jericho falling, we think of them crumbling and them climbing over the walls into the land. God says they went straight in. And and to this day, archaeologists now tell us that the walls actually fell into the ground, straight. They didn't crumble. They they fell straight down into the ground. The very thing that was keeping them out has now become the bridge to bring them in. The wall became a road. The mountain became an on-ramp. 
the doors became bridges. The, the very thing that, that was to keep them out, God ends up using because that's what God does. <laughs> God has never lost a battle and God has never wasted a battle. So the very thing you're facing becomes your story. The very thing you've dealt with becomes your testimony. The very thing hell has thrown against you to stop you becomes the very thing that God uses to bring you into everything he has for you. The very thing that that you thought this is it. I, I cannot beat this. I cannot conquer this. I'll always have this. No matter how strong I get, no matter how good life gets, I'll always have this Thing. And that's what the devil will lie to you. He'll say, he'll say, you can have 99% freedom. You can have freedom in all these other areas, but I'm always going to have this with you. But God says the very thing that you have believed is the thing that's going to keep you out. is actually going to be the thing that brings you in. If you will obey God, if you will wait willingly, if you will listen to the Holy Spirit. Because Romans 8 tells us that all things work together. All things. God, God uses all things together for my good because I'm called according to his purpose because I love God the the very thing that was sent to destroy me God said I'm going to work it for your good this is this is what Joseph said when he looked at his brothers after he was sold into slavery and he said you meant this for my evil Genesis 50, 20, you meant this for my evil. You thought this was going to destroy me. You thought this was going to kill me. You thought this was going to end my life. But God, everybody say, but God. Ah, come on, somebody. But God has turned this around for my good and for the saving of many. So you thought you were going to kill me, but God didn't just save me. It's for the saving of many. He would go on to tell his brothers, you, you sold me, but God sent me. You sold me, but God sent me. <laughs> Y'all hear me? Say amen, everybody. Say amen. I'm not making light of walls. I just know someone who is greater. If God tells you to shout, go ahead and do it. But whatever God tells you to do, for some it's forgive, for others it's give, for others it's serve, for others it's repent, for others it's apologize, for others I don't know what it is for you, but whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do, he is not suggesting it. But, but I promise you there's blessing attached. There is, he, he is not harsh. His commands are not burdensome. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Why? Because on the other side of everything that God asks you to do, there is always blessing. In Jesus' name. You receive the word today. Come on, give God some praise in the house. Come on, clap your hands and thank God that I believe he's talking to us. I believe I'm preaching to Joshua's. I believe I'm, I believe I'm preaching to Caleb's today. I, we're not going to be wilderness wanderers, but we're going to be promised land people who are going to inherit everything that God has for us. Freedom, deliverance, salvation, healing, provision in Jesus' name. 
I will not wander forever, but I will obey God. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to give you the opportunity today to give if you feel led to be a part of this house through your tithe and offering. Um, I, I love this about this story. This is one of the coolest uh, little tithing thoughts you'll ever hear. Uh, for every tither, you'll, you'll track with where I'm going here. They enter into the promised land. I don't know, maybe just while I'm talking about tithe, you can already guess how many cities they were going to have to go against. They were going to have to go against 10. And God, here's what God tells Joshua in verse 17 of that same chapter we were just saying. God says, hey, uh, the first is mine. All that silver and gold you're going to get from this city is mine. You don't get to keep any of it. You're actually going to burn it as an offering to the Lord. The tithe is the first. Jericho was the largest city they would fight with the greatest army, which means they would have had the most silver and gold. It was their greatest battle. And God says, I'm going I'm to ask you to trust me with your greatest battle. And over 20 years of ministry, now here's what I know. Tithing is, for most people, their greatest battle. Because it's not just throwing a couple of bucks in the miracle offering at the end of the year. It's not just throwing a 20 in when you can. It's building your whole life around the kingdom. I get paid $100, the first 10. Not the third 10. Not the eighth 10. Oh, you're being legalistic. The first 10. Not all the other cities. Jericho. I give God the first 10%. And you know what? People fight me on this. And I look at their life and I go, I just wish you would, I just wish you would trust God with this. I just wish you would. God says, I want the first, Joshua. You're going you're to have 10 cities. I want the first one because the first always belongs to God. Let me tell you what happened. Joshua agreed. But one of his men, Achan, took some for himself. He took some silver and gold, hid it in his tent. They go to the second battle, which was a village, and they get tore up. They get beat up. Joshua inquires of the Lord. He goes, God, we just beat the greatest city in the promised land, and now we can't fight a village? God goes, oh, you thought you did that? That was me, dog. And, there's, and he uses this very famous phrase. He goes, there's sin in the camp. If you'll go to Achan's tent, you'll find silver and gold in there. So Joshua has to get that silver and gold, offer it to the Lord, and then they'll go on a victory for the next eight cities. Because God goes, I get the first. Because he's a God of principles. He's not a God of feelings. He's a God of principles. He just, I know this is, I know this is challenging to hear. I know this goes against how you, how you want to, how we, how we in the West want to hear this. But he's a God of principle. So, so Joshua deals with it, gives God the first, and then they're blessed. Listen, when you give God the first. When you give God a dime on every dollar, a dollar on every $10, $10 on every $100, however much you make, a million on every $10 million. I don't know how you roll. You trust God. And God says there will be guaranteed victory. 
So let's start the year off. I started the year off with my tithe and my offering yesterday. I was so excited to do it. I don't know what all that's going to happen this year, but I'm telling you, I'm putting God first. I started by putting God first. Why don't you put God first this year? And if, and if it's a no, it's a no. But for many of you, I believe the Holy Spirit's inviting you into this. He's going, give me Jericho. And watch what I'll do. So I want you to prayerfully consider that. Let me give you a good, good report here as we end. Miracle offering was received last week of November 2021. By the way, people are asking, can I still give? Of course you can. But to, to date, miracle offering, uh, y'all gave $846,931. that unbelievable? To God be the glory. Now let me just tell you how, why this is so cool. Because we take that number to the bank and they give us three times that immediately. So it, it's automatic buying power as we take the land in our city. So just, it's very exciting. Missions giving. This year, our church gave $338,618 to missions. Didn't stay in the house. That's not salaries. That's not kids' programs. That's not lights. That's not, that's not staffing. That all went out to the world. It, it went into correctional facilities. It dug wells in Africa. It reached unreached people groups in the 1040 window. It, um, it went to the poor. It went to the needy. It, it, um, it just went out. So amazing. And then let me tell you why it's not about money. It's about ministry. It takes money to do ministry, but it's about ministry. So this is my favorite number. 2,046 people gave their life to Jesus in this church. Somebody celebrate the Lord. Come on. Isn't that amazing? It's about people. It's about money. It's about ministry. It's about helping people. It's about you bringing friends and family into the house of God and they can receive Christ, have their lives changed. Hundreds of people baptized, hundreds of people restored and ministered to, thousands of people online that are hearing this word every week. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. And um, and I'm believing for miracles. You know, we, we, we had miracle provision this year. We had, we've never had gifts like this. We had three $100,000 checks and we had two $50,000 checks come in for miracle offering and, and I feel led to tell you this because I think there's going to be people this year the Holy Spirit is going to begin to build your faith for this that you're going to be able to be that kind of giver I'm just telling you and, and listen it's not about that Okay, we didn't go take the 50000 guy out to dinner Okay, I don't, if you gave 50 awesome you obeyed God but I, but I want to build somebody's faith. I'm believing someone's going to give like they've never given this year. We, we had one gentleman, he came up to me that Sunday, and he gave $20,000, and he said, God already spoke to me what I'm supposed to do next year. And he goes, I'm already praying, Pastor. I said, I like, I like that I. I like that. That's the faith scared. That's walking on water. 
He goes, Pastor, God's already talking to me. I said, I like that. And listen, if God speaks to you, tells you to give $5, that's not a, you understand. But I want to build your faith. And we're going we're gonna to do some amazing things for the Lord. I've got a, I've got a great announcement. I'm going to save it for Tuesday. Um, just about, about what we're doing. And um, anyway. <laughs> Stand up. No, yeah, I'm waiting. I'm going to wait. I hope you'll come Tuesday. There's, I believe, even maybe just one person in the room. You've never given your life to Christ. You've never began that relationship with the Lord. Let me, let me give you that opportunity. Maybe you feel far from God. You're online. You feel far from God. Pray with me. Everyone in the room with your head bowed, eyes closed, pray this together. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again. So I give you my life. I declare Jesus is Lord of my life. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. May the Lord give you his peace. We declare the heavens are open. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week.